recording. How's it going, Yamitators? Episode 369 of You and Me and Thoughts and Talk with Doug Culp with my guest, Joshua Hale Fialka. Um, he's a, I know him primarily as a comic book writer. He's also written for TV. Um, he, I mean, we're gonna, we're gonna be talking with him in a couple minutes here. Just uh, thought I'd do an intro portion first and, uh, you know, just ease, ease into the episode like I usually do. Um, which, you know, I can change the format whenever and however I want because this is just uh, this is my show. This is my show. Oh, man, who remembers that? <laughs> It was like a very fun concept for the show. And then around the same time that news came out about like uh, fucking shitty behavior. And then instead of copping to it or owning up to it on any level, it was like, I'm, I'm getting canceled. It was like, that was, that was the beginning of the, of the wildfire, I guess, that people started to call cancel culture instead of um, holding yourself accountable for your own actions in life. But that was a really funny show. <laughs> All right, I'm loading up uh, my grinder here. I'm gonna get some herb in the... Um, the old system. Fun record. Oh, also, <laughs> I started recording a little before the um, appointed time. And he told me straight up, he was like, by the way, uh, I'm not on the call exactly at 11. You know me because <laughs> like, oh, no, I totally get it. Like when you get in a, when you get in a flow state, when you get in a creative spot and you're like nothing's gonna stop me right now even if i have things to do even if i have things that i know i have to do or not have to do but like you know said said would do and it's like yeah i've been there 100 percent, fully understand fully empathize and um or sympathize and um no empathize i've been there i feel it I have the theme song to Bananas podcast stuck in my head. Go check that out sometime if you like. Scott Landis and Kurt Brownoller doing um, funny stories from, from the week or ones that people had sent in. <coughs> and the theme song rips. It's really good. Whoa. Sometimes there's like a little stem and I go, this stem's not gonna make too much of a difference. And then I put it in a bowl and you see it burn because it's not the flowery part. But there's still THC um, on the stems. 
There's not as much. On and in? The butt is in. Just like with any flower, you wouldn't give someone a, well, maybe in Adam's family. I was going to say, you wouldn't give someone a, a rose stem, would you? Adam's family would. All right. Uh, it's 11. Give um, another minute or two, and then I'll, I'll pop off and, you know, uh, cool thing about Zoom that has been um, accidentally displayed on a couple previous calls is if, if the call ever drops or like for, for some reason I can't um, just like my reception's bad or whatever, but then I hop back on or if my phone overheats and then I, my phone shuts off and then, oh, cool. Just got a DM. Oh, I'll send the DM right back. Mid call, because I can do that. Okay. Okay. All good. Okay. The intro. Um, pop in, whatever. Yeah. Send, and back to the call. <clears throat> Looks a little, I mean, not that anyone out there would be able to see because I only do audio for the podcast. Am I mirrored? I hate mirrored. Oh, wait. Easiest way to find out. Oh, it's not mirrored. It's regular. But that's why everything feels when I move to the left, I'm going to the right on the screen. When I go to the right, I'm on the left on the screen. Well, that's how cameras work. And <laughs> the fact that so many companies have been so comfortable to be like, you know what? You shouldn't have to read things in your camera in your camera reflection backwards or other people's camera reflection. But mirroring it makes it backwards. I, I don't know. It's a pretty crazy idea. Ugh. <sighs> Dang, my teeth need work. Looking at them right in the camera, and it's gross. Yeah, it's gross. It's not the end of the world, but my teeth used to be perfect. Quote unquote, perfect looking from the outside. But they were always suffering because cavities, and no matter how many times I brush and floss my teeth, I still get cavities. Pretty good song, right? It was average. 
average at best. Okay, top 10. That's my top 10 songs I've written. What? I thought I just saw a change on the screen, but I think it was just someone driving by. I need to cut my hair soon because it's going to get to a point where it's too hot to have any sort of medium like hair anymore. But also, my hair gets to this weird point where I'm just like, okay, so now if it gets any longer, it's going to get like bigger and like poof out while it's uh, getting longer. And uh, it gets heavy and like hot. Oh, okay. <laughs> the thing I said, oh, too, was that's the exact sort of thing that I was looking for just now, but it's connected to another thing and I won't be able to bring it over to me. Oh, that one was just for fun. Um, I'm looking for something. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. No. Huh. Uh, here? Here. Found it. Found what I was looking for. And I still haven't found. Oh, there it is. What I was looking for. If, if anyone's out there wondering why it sounds like I'm fiddling around with a bunch of stuff, because I am, because I'm sleeping in my vehicle at the moment, not ideal, it's just my life right now. I've got three weekly podcasts, um, just, re just recorded and released uh, episode 11, aka episode Season one, episode seven of The Stand, The Pod, which is a watch along for the CBS All Access show, The Stand. Um, I've got Wednesdays, I Am Doug Rich comes out. It's up to episode 14, which means season two, episode one. And it's going to go up to episode 19, which means season two, episode six. That's as far as the show got. It came out in the early 2000s. It was before its time. It's like a brilliant, beautiful show. And as soon as I started watching it, I was like, oh, okay. There's no podcast about this show yet? I'm making the podcast about this show. So I don't have my own podcast network per se yet, technically, in a technical sense, 
but I have two other podcasts that also um, are up on the internet. Every podcast platform, My Ideas and Star Trek Enterpods. Star Trek Enterpods is a Star Trek Enterprise watch-along podcast I do with my dad. And after we're done watching Enterprise, we're going to watch every single episode of every single Star Trek iteration and the movies ever. Um, so that podcast has a near limitless possibility. Uh, a sixth podcast that has two episodes already recorded. Um, hasn't well, The pilot actually has been released on this podcast earlier on. I believe I called the episode first Firefly Flight. And it was a podcast just about the TV show Firefly which had one season. So the podcast will have one season. I, I think the um, trend that I've seen is interesting. Trend of people trying to, or not trying to, just like straight up making um, Season one, episode 14 of whatever podcast. And then they're like, oh, it's season three, episode 25. And it's like, what is a podcast season? What does that even mean? Because podcasts are still so much the Wild West where um, not only can anyone do them, um, but there's no structure in place. There's genres. Sure. Sure. Shout out to Steph Tolev. Sure. Um, but the, the main premise of a podcast, I think, in its inception was basically like, uh, people are on the radio, and I don't listen to the radio, but maybe I would listen to the radio if more people like me were on it. And then, boom, like it just kind of started as an independent broadcasting revolution and a lot of people hopped on early on this podcast has been going over seven years now so i hopped on not super early on but a few years into the into the the um, madness slash happiness of it all of of um exploring all these artists and people who you may never ever ever hear about otherwise and because you saw like someone tweet something out about a comedian you like or maybe have heard of and they're like they were on this podcast check it out so many interviews and so many um possibilities for iterations of conversation and that's one thing that really excites me about it um and I think the main thing that really drew me to it in the beginning was like, I want to have my own private pirate radio station on the internet. That sounds awesome. <clears throat> so instead of just sailing the seas with a, with, a, with a radio antenna blasting out the signal, the internet's blasting out the signal and I'm doing the recording and we're putting it out there.
I keep I keep catching a glimpse of my teeth in this reflection and it's it's heinous. It's it's also evident why No worries. Another another DM to be like, sorry, the computer's still booting up. All good. All good. Still introing it up. Oops. Into intro. Um, <laughs> you'll be a welcome life preserver. Preserver. Do people even say that anymore? Or is it one word? Oh! Life preserver. No way. Interesting. Interesting. Life preserver. Uh, listeners, I know no one ever out there responds to the podcast anyway, but I'm going to put this out there. How many people have heard the term life preserver? And how many people? have only heard the term lifesaver. Because the candy must have driven the uh, word, the preferred word, preserved word, the preferred word, the, 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 the so maybe maybe life preserver fell off when someone said I saved you saved my life. Well, this is a life preserver. It's not a life preserver, it's a lifesaver. Boom. Candy was invented that day. <laughs> Candy was invented that day. Lifesavers and life preservers, same tool. This has been, this has been out in the ocean with Doug Culp. Next time on, actually, I could make a sound effect that makes it sound uh, like water. Who knows what it'll be? Mm, previous listeners of the podcast, maybe. Current listeners? Your guess is as good as anyone else's. I was going to say as mine, but I don't have a guess. I have a knowledge of what I'm about to do. Yep, 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 yep.
Good way to intro. I'm glad I uh turn it. Should have turned vibrate off. <coughs> <coughs> I'm glad my ringer wasn't on. That would have been embarrassing. <coughs> or would you have even heard it? I don't know. But now let's go to completely silent Sweating a little bit. Yesterday was pretty cold. We did it. Wait. Huh? Oh, I see myself twice. Oh, you're muted too. I'm laughing that I see my my image twice, but one of them is frozen. <laughs> but yeah, you're you're muted. You alright? Can I unmute you? Oh, Are we here? Yeah, I see you there. I can't hear you though. You're muted still. How about now? Is that better? Perfect. I hear you. Awesome. How's my how's my level? My level okay? It's okay. Could be could be a little up, but not how about even... that? Is that better yeah. for you? There yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Um, dude. So how's it going? Thanks for thanks for doing this. No, I'm happy to do it. Thanks for having me. Sorry, I did, sorry I had to keep um delaying. I've been <laughs> I've been going through a very weird year, as has everybody. You know. Yeah. And the whole like vocal cords rest thing, I completely understand been making music for 30 years and like uh doing stand up for 12 years and sometimes you just lose your voice and sometimes you gotta go yeah. like 
I'm going to take a little break, some vocal yeah. rest, and uh, yeah, mine develops over the next. I wish that was what mine was. Mine is I actually had COVID last year. And no. Yeah. So I had it before it was a real thing. <laughs> I had it in February. Um, I'm one of the cool kids, so I Whoa. get stuff. I get stuff uh, first. I get I get albums first. I'm into you know directors first. I'm into books first. <laughs> You're I'm so into underground. Pandemics. <laughs> I'm into pandemics first. Um. So I had it, and like nobody knew. It was one of those things where I went to the doctor, and they like they te they tested me for everything, and it came up as nothing else like none of the other because they didn't have tests for covid they just had tests for regular flu for you know for pneumonia for tuberculosis <laughs> like they did everything yeah. um and they all came up negative and i was the sickest i'd ever been in my entire life um and so i uh was sick for about two weeks did you have all the i didn't lose the sense of, real I, quick. Didn't, I didn't lose sense oh, of taste yeah um i was like choking i was coughing so much i developed asthma um oh. i was like i can't remember i was like walking from i like went to the kitchen and came back and i do not live in a palatial estate i live it's very small and uh <laughs> i almost faint like i literally came back to the bedroom and just about fainted onto the bed um oh. so like to the point where like my wife called my oh. brother's a doctor my wife called my brother to be like do we need an ambulance like what do we, what do, we do here um yeah. So, you know, like it, it went away eventually, like it went away after, you know, a couple of weeks and then my throat was real raw for a few weeks after that. But it just felt like, oh, you know, it's from coughing a lot. Um, and then and it's just... six months, yeah, like six months later, it was still going on. Wow. And because um, I sing for like uh, for pleasure, it's like my relaxation. Yeah. And um, like I just wasn't singing because, you know, my voice, my voice hurt all the time and I was busy at work and finally um i sat down to sing and i was like it's weird like all these songs that are right in the middle of my vocal range are just uh, unsingable ooh. and i was just like well yeah i'm just out of practice i went another couple weeks and then finally like my wife was like i was playing piano my wife was like you know there's something wrong with your voice right <laughs> i was like yeah oh, no. that's what i thought and you're like yeah i'm gonna say it out loud so you know <laughs> long story short like there's some sort of damage on my vocal cords um and they like i've been doing voice therapy for a couple months now i've been like um they i do the number of ridiculous things that i'm now doing to try and make my voice like copable um yeah. are very are stupid you, are you doing like um vocal warm-ups and like mm -hmm. sort of like Coral stuff like mommy made me match my M and M. Do this, oh, you can do this, you can crack. Do you know you can crack your uh, your larynx. Oh yeah, I do that a lot. Yeah, that helps. That feels good. Um, I do that. I do. I blow bubbles with a with a straw. That's a lot of fun. That's a fun thing to do. Uh -huh. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I do that, and I do the the like the range. Like I go up and down the range. I mean, essentially, like what what we kind of finally got to was whatever happened it changed the architecture of my voice box um so i'm like a, i'm like almost a full octave it's, below it's where i a, am it's crazy yeah yeah so like i'm i'm it's probably like, like when i sing uh, i have to transpose down like five steps about it's like half an octave down oh yeah and like 
and your the rest of your register didn't go down, right? You just are limited on the on the upper end now. Um. Mm, yeah, or, I can't say. I don't like think about like it. Little... I always, I had a really wide. I always had a really wide range, anyways. Um. Because I don't know, like it's my mom was an opera singer, so I suppose I got some of that. Um. So I always had like a decent amount yeah. of low end. It just it's hard. The problem is like it's just it hurts. I can sing for like ten minutes. And then my voice turns, I turn into Tom Waits and not in like a cool way. Um, so like, and it's literally oh, been like, no. when I go to vocal, when I go to vocal therapy, voice therapy, she's like, so how'd you do this week? And I'm like, I, I sang for 12 minutes. She's like, whoa, that's amazing. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not amazing. I used to spice, like sit down and play piano for like an hour and a half, you know, twice or three times a week. Like now I can play for 12 minutes. I've become a much better piano player because now I just do that. Uh, yeah, you're like, okay. you're like, I'm I can't really instead. work this instrument, so I'll work these yeah. instruments. Yeah, so I'll learn how to use my fingers. Dang. Yeah, it's fun. Um, it's a good time. That is cool. Like, so hearing you talk about, like, being sick, not knowing what it was, it's like firing off so many neurons for me because when I was undiagnosed with Lyme disease, it took two years for me to finally... Uh, get a diagnosis and be like this is what's going on and then finally get a track to maybe getting medicine but like medical is so unforgiving there's so much red tape and like yeah um some some places take it some places don't and if they take it then they will take you seriously or they won't like there's so many just things up in the air where they're like since money's involved sorry a lot of healthcare is gonna suffer and well that's why we don't need a single payer system i mean could you imagine <laughs> if we had Universal oh. health care that it was everyone was just taken care of. What would possibly what could go wrong? Yeah, if nothing, because literally everyone would be taken care of. So it wouldn't matter. Like, it's the, it's horrifying. Even even times. like I was diagnosed with diabetes when I was like 20. Oh, yeah. Um, And like I was, you know, I'm fat. So I get it. Like it was going I was really heavy <laughs> at the time. Like I, I've lost probably like 40 or 50 pounds since then. Nice. Um, But they uh, it turns out they diagnosed me with the wrong kind of diabetes. And I just never really oh. like, so I went on the, I, they just sort of assumed I was type you were two taking and they, the wrong medicines. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually uh -oh. type I'm what is, I'm what is now called type one LADA, which is essentially both type one and type two simultaneously. But what happens is by not treating the type one, it actually kills the remaining cells in your pancreas, the remaining islets. Oh. Um, so because I went and again, like I eventually I've had insurance now for like I've been I got insurance when I married my wife. Um, so I've had insurance for 13 years now. But because of those first like six or seven years, it didn't matter. Like I would just lose weight and it didn't matter. I would eat better. Like we were vegan, like we were vegan. And I lost like from where I am now, even I lost probably another 40 or 50 pounds and it didn't matter. And that was finally when I went to my doctor and I was like, listen, this isn't this is something else. Like yeah. this should not, it's not type two. There's no way. And then finally was tested and they were like, oh yeah, you don't have type two. That's why. Uh, and again, so crazy had, had I just had medical, had I just had like proper medical care where I could just keep going to try and be tracked and, you know, solve it. Like I would be considerably healthier and have a longer life because of it. And, you know? and even like, even when you do have the insurance, there's still roadblocks. Like mm -hmm. there's still things that you run into where, the doctor will be like, are you sure? And like, just very questioning, but there's, it, it's such an untrusting 
and money driven yeah. system that it makes me sick and yeah. uh literally and figuratively but <laughs> yeah. i whew. you want to talk about comics for a minute <laughs> <laughs> we should talk about comics okay i because um true story i i'm a late adopter uh, reading comics i didn't get into it when until i was like 20 28 29 maybe and it was all thanks to meltdown comics mm-hmm. r.i.p um Indeed. holly was so working sad. the front counter mm-hmm. and holly. she yeah and she goes hey you want, are you looking for a comic to buy before the show to get in first? Because that was the gimmick they did. They were like, hey, if you support the store, then we're going to let you into the into the show first. You get print premium seating. And I was like, I was like, yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'm really looking for. She's like, what are you into? I go, well, you know, like Marvel and DC, they've been done time and time again. And like, I could try and get into some new age uh storyline right now but i'd really love to delve like i'm kind of a completionist where i would love to like read all of it from the beginning and see it change through the years and like appreciate it that way and then she was like and and so i go so like i don't know maybe something that's not marvel and not dc and she goes so these five friends go out into the woods and find a bunker (laughs) with letters addressed to them from their future selves and then she just like hands it to me and i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) so fucking cool dude like i'm so glad like i i man i i'm i'm through three volumes i believe or maybe when it went to volume three was when i started like not having as much work and having way less money and so i wasn't able to buy volumes anymore and so i was like I'll get it. I'll get to the volume three. But I did like when the life after was about to drop the trade for trade. The trade for volume one came out and single issue for volume two had just come out. And I was like, this guy made another comic. (laughs) Is it going to be pretty cool and like crazy like the other one? I bet it will. And I just took the bet and I fucking Man, the life after another fucking great, like um, thank you. Was, of course, you were like, you I, were the guy. You were the guy reading the life after, dude. I knew there was somebody. Up. Like I, I just like I, like I, I caught onto your style, and I was like, this is awesome. Like he's he's dropping the f bombs. He's like, people are smoking weed and like the comics, and I'm like, this is really cool stuff that I hadn't seen anywhere else, and like, um, and just what um hold on let me go to the list of questions i wrote (laughs) (laughs) uh uh uh. oh so as far as storyboarding goes um like do you do you just are are you writing it in a script form and handing it off to the artist or are you writing like because i imagine that when you had the story for the life after and had the story for the bunker you had it tracked for like I'm going to be able to make four or five, six volumes of this. If this keeps, if people keep buying this story and I want to keep telling it, um, how, how far out did you plan with the life after before you were like, all right, I've got this idea and I've got to 
make it into a comic and then how long into the process um until you start like storyboarding sorry so like kinda... so like in turn like in terms of like long-term planning i tend to have i know what the end game is i know what the beginning is i know what the end game is i know there's certain stuff i want to get to in between them right like i have yeah. a general idea um and i know sort of what i think the book is about right i have like a general idea what the story is about like beyond just like the mechanics but yeah. in terms of like what i'm what i'm trying to say or like what i think what i think it's really you know speaking to um the problem is that when stuff doesn't sell <laughs> it ends up uh. getting killed it gets killed early and because i always like my whole career was spent writing these like oddball these oddball books that are kind of under the radar um while simultaneously working with you know people who need to make a living um myself included you know i i kind of always wrote with with the like practical understanding of how do i twist out of this when i need to like Ooh. when when do we get to the like how much story can i tell and still make it feel satisfying if this issue is the last one That's like if this like... If, if like issue six is the last issue what what is that that feels like a good ending That's if like issue 12 is the last one simultaneously heartbreaking and heartwarming at the same time because you're it's like you know, I, that's the that's the industry and you have a realization of it going in and so you're able I mean, to it's, like it's honestly it's why it's you know like it's kind of why i don't do comics anymore it was it's really it's like um it's so disheartening like it's really disheartening because those books especially life after like i was joking when I, i'm joking when i said you were the only one but uh, you know Ga uh, gabe and i um and ra who was our editor like we I don't know that I've ever worked harder on anything in my life. Like it is the hardest. Oh. I've, it's like the hardest work I've ever done. It's, and like, and it, dude, it shows. It's so beautiful. And it's, like, it, it was like, you know, Ari, you know, when you do it, when you do comics in general, like the, the, the notes you get and that sort of stuff are, are usually, especially like I work in TV. So like it's in TV, like you're doing draft after draft after draft in comics. Like you're lucky if you have to do two drafts, right? Like yeah. it's, there's just not really, cause you don't generally have to do that. Life After was a book where, like, again, I knew what the ending was. I knew where we were going. But I would turn in a script and, you know, Ari, our editor, would, would like, she just called me on everything. Like, anything that she didn't buy, anything that she thought was, like, unthought through or me just being random or whatever, like, she made me explain it. And by making me do that, like, it made me write better, right? It made me a it made me tell better stories. It made the characters richer. Yeah. And, you know, like it's, it's the thing about that book that I think is like the, the example I always give is, you know, the end of the, like we got through the first issue and everything was set and it was being drawn and she called me and I think I turned an issue. I turned in the script for issue two and she was like, you know, I was really worried. Like I, when I read the outline, like I, when I read the series doc, I was a little concerned that she's like, now I read the first two issue scripts. She's like, and you know, there's a, there's a pretty big problem. Like, what's that? She goes, well, you know, there's essentially one female character. I'm like, 
That is a problem. She's like, and that one female character gets essentially like abused, humiliated, and then uh, gets to go to heaven for it. And I was like, oh, yeah. She's like, so that's not okay. And I was like, yeah, it's not okay. You're right. I should probably not do that. And she's like, so how are we going to fix that? And like, almost like and like that and it wasn't her saying here's how you fix it it was literally her saying like have you even bothered to think about it uh, and it yeah. made me think like oh right she has to come back like that's the thing is like she that's can't her job keep, like, yeah like that's that's what that like that character is can't just be like a flippant thing like every like everybody that interacts with our lead in this book has to mean something and like the fact that it, that she wakes him up is important but that can't be it and then from that you get everything else you get her kid you get you know the story that it generates and you get the relationships like all that stuff sort of feeds into each other and it's it's just because you get pushed um and it was like every every issue was that was that like level of like thought beyond my side of putting in the story and the characters it was also being questioned and and gave like the the world that gabe built because you know gabe as an artist is just mm -hmm. like spectacular like he really yeah. like his imagination is so fantastic and he would he would take my scripts and the stuff he would turn in would just be better and it's the same thing you get us you get art that's better than what you wrote and you're like well sh shit I should probably get to work. Try to make my script better. Jesus, I'd love I'd love uh, an example of that that uh, springs to your mind right now. Like, um, I think maybe... all, it's, it's it's funny to say, but like all the stuff with the potato is better. Like the potato <laughs> thing was so was like really in retrospect, it's it's really dopey. But then when you read it, it's like this is actually kind of like it's kind of profound. Like it's actually sort of a like so deep it is like there's actually like for something that is like clearly just me being an asshole it's like no it's actually kind of about something like oh, this is actually really saying and it's and it's literally like and it's funny because it's not a person it doesn't have face it doesn't have emotions mm -hmm. but there's something about the way that he like imbues life into it yeah that like you actually get to, and same with like with the bunny god right with the aztec god what's where the again, name how do, how do you say that it's it's metacotl i believe um, it starts with an O, didn't it? Oh, Ometsuko. I think it's Ometsukato. Okay. <laughs> God, it's been so long. It's been a long time. <laughs> um, even like even that's like the scene with all the all the gods getting slaughtered. Oh. Is 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 again? It's one of those like, it's sort of like it, it's a it's almost a joke. I wrote it as like considerably more of a jokey scene, and he played it straight. And because he played it straight, number one, it is funny. <laughs> because and it's played straight but again so it's dark. also sort of like oh yeah like that is what we did that is like what white people did yeah. is they just got every person and every faith and everything that got in front of them they slaughtered and that was it and they yeah. moved on um <laughs> we'd like to speak to your leader yeah yeah no and like and like you know and like into that like your first part of the question in terms of scripting like i write you know i come from uh, like I went to school for playwriting and screenwriting, you know, so I, I come from that school. Um, and so I, I usually start off writing what are like kind of like shooting scripts. Like they're much more uh, shot by shot. Like the panels are very, they're not like Alan Moore level detail, but like, I, you know, I usually say this, like, you know, 
shot high, like a close up shot high, you know, it looks like this, blah, 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 blah. Or a yeah. reference, I want it to look like, you know, this from like this shot from this or whatever. Um, but then as you work with artists, the relationship just changes and it becomes easier. Um, you know, and so the three artists that I worked with sort of the longest um, would be uh, Noel Twazon, who I did Elks Run and Tumor with. Okay. Joe and Fanari, who I did, who I did Bunker, and then Gabe, who I did Life After with, and like with Noel, like I don't have with Noel for Tumor and Elks Run, like he just draws what's in my head, and I don't have to tell him anything. It's weird, like he just does it, <laughs> and it's I don't know how, like I don't know how everything I get back from him is just like I I could essentially just call him and tell him like this is kind of what happens in it, and he would tell him and he would send it back, and I was like, yeah, it's that's, that's pretty much exactly what I would have written, fantastic. So like I that's, my scripts my scripts awesome. for him are much lighter like there's not a lot I don't have to do as much work because God bless him like he does it for me. Um, yeah. With Joe like Infernari is a, amazing he's an amazing writer, um, and he because he's an amazing writer he understands pacing and he understands storytelling in a way where me saying this shot should be you know this panel should be this and this panel should be that in terms of you know architecture like in terms of where they should be and how they should be related to each other is actually counterproductive yeah. because he's better at it than i am so you know for the most part it was a lot of just really <laughs> trusting him to to tell the story and then you know taking going back to script and looking at the script that he had and looking at the and looking at the art that came in and sort of figuring out is there stuff in here that needs you know changed on either side and kind of going from there and there never there really wasn't like i can think of literally one i don't even remember what it was i remember one time where we were arguing about like yeah but it reads left it, it reads right to left and it doesn't work like that and it was just like one of those like he's like it doesn't it reads left to right and i was like no it doesn't like it's very clearly reads right to left. You can't do that. People don't read right to left. It's this is not manga. If it was manga, that'd be fine. This is not manga. Um, and then and then with with Gabe, like because the imagination of of world is really his strong suit again. Like I in that like the scripts for Gabe, I feel like are much more shot based and much less you know like art design because he just fills in the art design. Like he really he builds out the world and sort of populates it and, and fleshes it out in such a way that like, I don't have to go into as many specifics about what, what's actually there. It's, he's and it's he's picturing it with you. He's picturing yeah. it with, like you're, he's reading it and he's like, oh, okay. And then he's like expanding. Yeah. It's a neat. And you know, like you get it from kind of every, you get it on all sides and it, and it works the other way as well. Like you learn what people are good at. Um, yeah. And you learn how to like how to get the best material out of your artists. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I had the benefit of when I did superhero comics and then also the detriment of. So, you know, when I worked for DC, I had uh, Andrea Sorrentino and I did I Vampire and he was there for 14 issues, I think. And so by the end, like we understood each other. I knew yeah. exactly what he could do. He knew exactly what I could do and what I wanted. And like between that, like we made a, I think a really solid book, but then the last like five issues, he went off, they took him off and put him on, I think green arrow, green arrow or something. Um, oh. And when so he then left, you had to develop a new shorthand with a new artist. And... Yeah, but no, he's, he was with, you know, he was with Jeff Lemire and he, they've been together ever since. Like they've been doing books together nonstop, 
but you know the the end of my vampire there was like four artists or five artists and like all really talented all really great people great guys like friends with most of them but you know you don't have that same that same language and it it sucks like it's it sucks because you're losing not you're not just losing the look and feel you're actually losing the pacing and you're losing the tone and you're losing all that stuff (sighs) it's it's fine you know it's you know like to parallel it to work like it's interesting because tv like i've been working in tv now for like seven years i think seven six seven eight somewhere in there um and in tv what shows have you oh man i work on (laughs) <laughs> let's see i've been on i was on chicago med uh on nbc and then i was on a show on sci-fi channel called incorporated which if you can find it is pretty yes. rad no pretty that cool. show is awesome when that yeah. show came out and like corporate was about to come out on comedy mm-hmm. central corporate was like uh-oh they're gonna make us rename our show hampton deville and i because i know <laughs> the guys who made corporate and um <laughs> and i was like what what is hampton deville and they're like it's the name of the company, but Comedy Central might wait, and then we might just like, I don't know. It's it's a, a oh yeah, we crashed. We crashed and burned, so they were fine, <laughs> dude. But that show was so cool, and like, um, uh, was the main guy the same guy that was in The Gifted? Did yeah. you watch that show? Yeah, yeah, Chantil. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's beautiful. great. Beautiful, and like Man. the whole the whole thing of like just being like, okay, we're in the near future, but not like the far they future. made us the original like total sidetrack but like the uh the <laughs> there's a title like there's a title card at the beginning of the first episode that says like in the year blah 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 and originally it was like in the year 2030 and it gives like the that like all the climate you know the climate yeah. destruction and the corporatization and how like <laughs> how the government has essentially been privatized and everything has crumbled and the network yeah. was like, you can't have that in, you know, 15 years. That has to be in 30 years because that would never uh, happen. And it's like, yeah, you sorry. guys are like, well, right. And it was we during the election. Like- it was like literally during it was uh, happening during the election. And we were, uh, everyone in the room was like, really? You don't think this is going to happen? That's, that's going to happen. <laughs> Shit's all happening. It's like happening around us. Just so we're clear. Oh, my God. It's like that year is actually date is actually uh, later than like the original date was very much like well, it's not too far away. Very accurate. Um, Sidetrack, isn't it like, isn't it fun and also frustrating how, how like, spot on um, movies, TV shows, media can be talking about the future, and then people just go, ah, and like, <laughs> people it's don't think about it, it it's, or they miss it, and like, it's all weirdly predictable. Like that's that's the sad part. Is like, yeah. It, it all is just there. Like none of it is, none of it is surprising because, like, you it know, adds up. Look, it's like, like I a Fibonacci we sold, sequence. Like we we that. sold we sold the bunker for TV to NBC last oh. season, year and a half ago, um, and we got like really far in the process. We were like the last pilot for them to decide on, and they at the end of the day they passed. And it's funny because I'm really glad they passed because we would have been making it right when the pandemic hit and it's a show about a like egomaniacal president and who for selfish reasons allows a pandemic to happen oh my fuck and like i called my exec like once every once all the shutdown started and everything i called my exec 
And I was like, listen, you know, like I'm heartbroken because I worked really hard on that. And like, you know, I feel like it would have been a great show. But how fast would that show have been canceled? He's like, oh, no, it would have been it would have been dead so fast. You have no idea. Like it would just disappear. He's like, at least now it's sort of sitting, waiting for, you know, things to calm down and maybe we can sell it somewhere. But had you been making it when this happened, it would just be done. When that show Utopia came out, when that show Utopia came out, which is like a it's an Americanized version of a British version, right? On Amazon. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that's about a pandemic. And like, while I was watching, I was like, this is, this doesn't feel good. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, it was a cool story. But at the same time, I was like, we're all going through this. <laughs> like, yeah. what the fuck? And I so, understand. man, like, that I think there's a reason why people aren't talking about the stand on cbs like oh. on, on all access and it's like Dude. watching it is very like it's rough yeah like it's it's i think part of it is like i love the tv miniseries and I, the book is so good that nothing lives up to it but yeah. aside from that it's also the like it. it's so like everyone coughing and sneezing and just bodies in the street and they're you know mm-hmm. digging graves in their backyards and it's like i'm good first, <laughs> i'm already doing this that- shit i don't need to see it all the time First, I'd say the first um, couple episodes really heavy with that, and like it, it, ah, it's fun how much it like touches on the miniseries, and like there'll be slight differences, but some things are exactly the same. Like I'll yeah. I'll hear a quote, and I'm like, I just heard that in the miniseries because I started another podcast called the, called it the, the Stand the Pod, mm-hmm. and like it's a recap for the old miniseries and a watch along for the new one, and like. You should listen to i don't know if you heard it i think it's because uh, mick who mick garrick directed the original one right like who directed the i don't know mick garrick yeah who directed the original okay. one whoever directed the original one has a podcast hold on i'm looking at it hold on it's a good oh. thing i have a computer directly in front of me yeah, yeah, he has a yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. and he had stephen king on to talk about it and they talk oh. about this like the structure of that book is it's possibly the best structured book of all time like it is amazing I- it is apparently like apparently there's it is so the, many scene changes there's like so many like i haven't read the book yet but that's going to be next on the podcast once the, the cbs all access show takes a break the, I'm the book is a masterpiece book. what the book does so the the hardship about uh about a book with that many characters um is that it's impossible to keep them all straight right like it's just there's too yeah. many yeah. So what the book does is it actually like uh, weaves back and forth between them so that you get, yes, yeah, Mick Garris. I was right. So yeah, Mick Garris has a podcast yeah. and for, there was an episode that was specifically him, um, him and Stephen King talking about, uh, talking about the stand. On the, yeah. About the, the they're book. talking about the mini yeah. on the, they're talking about the, the, the mini series on its anniversary, but then they start talking about the book as well. Um, and what they do is they introduce characters by going back and forth. So you meet first, you meet uh, Stu, and then you meet uh, the guy in prison, and then you meet Nick, and then you meet Trash, and then you meet like it's okay. so they sort of like weave back and forth between yeah. them. And so what's happening is that every time you meet a new character, you're sort of sort of have them as like a counterpoint, so that as they're growing and as they're coming together you know everybody and you know all their relationships so it's that all when, woven together already so that when you finally get everyone together in boulder um you know everyone 
and you are excited yeah. for them to find each other because of what they all mean to each other and all the tension is there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you have the same thing on the other side. You have, you're sort of excited to see like this. You know that there's like a firework about to start over in, yeah. in Vegas and you want to see everyone get to Vegas at the same time. Um, which is actually it's the one thing like the my my biggest complaint. I normally don't complain about things in public uh, that I don't <laughs> bother me um, about other people's art. But that's the one thing that I think this series totally screwed up is doing it non nonlinear is just a mistake. It's it, it's tripping it's tripping me up a little bit and like um, the because uh, I'll I'll like be saying it out loud while I'm doing the watch along and I'm like oh they jumped him and so wait where are we now like I'll, I'll just. Well, it, and then and the then thing like, is, oh, is you don't so, it, it like, when you do things nonlinear, like you lose a bunch of stuff right you lose urgency and you lose um you lose tension fluidity and yeah. fluidity yeah but like it's really like of course when the scene i think of is like this when Stu meets harold and uh and franny right they're at the gas station new one or old one uh, new one and like when they meet there's no like the tension instead becomes oh the two of them are going to end up together but that yeah. isn't the tension that you want in that scene the tension oh. you want is like are these guys going to kill each other like is this the yeah. seat like what is going to happen between them that is going to make this thing you know like actually combustible and I the thing is, is we already know it's combustible, so we kind of don't give a yeah. shit, you know, like we already know that they don't like each other and that he's jealous of him and that all those things have already happened, you yeah. know, and like there's lots of like there's lots of stuff like that where you're just sort of losing out or even like the, the episode with Heather Graham with Larry and you're like, well, yeah, she didn't make it. Of course, yeah. because she's yeah. not there. <laughs> Because yeah. we've seen what happens and she's not there. So there's no like, I just know yeah. she's not there. So she dies at some point. So that really, <laughs> when she dies, I guess is kind of tense, you know, but it's also not the point. So I don't really care about it. I'll talk, other than, I'll, other than I'll, the fact that I have a 20 year crush on Heather Graham, you know. <laughs> oh, she's awesome. I'll I'm going to touch on a couple other things about that. Oh, yeah, sure. And we'll Sorry. Get back to other stuff, but, um, <laughs> I do love like uh, the slight things that they changed where like M-O-O-N spells moon. This guy's now got like a re rehearsed phrase that he memorized because he's like, he's like, I have a learning disability. And he's like, I, I think that's in the book. I think that's from the book. I could be wrong. Oh, I think that's in the book. Oh, okay. Cause I, 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 I feel like he was, he was harder to um, understand or he had a harder time understanding everyone in the older miniseries and or maybe it's the other way around maybe he's but either way just like subtle touches where it's like yeah, yeah they updated that like that's cool and like um i feel how... like that's in the book i could be wrong i'm pretty i feel like it's in the book okay all right well i gotta i gotta I mean, proof that i gotta read the book <laughs> the book's great the book's very long but it is great like it is awesome. i it's I mean, The Shining, The Shining is amazing. Like I'm, The Shi The Shining is like one of my favorite pieces of pop culture, all yeah. all versions, including the TV miniseries one. Um, like is, I love it so much, but The Stand is probably his second greatest contribution to culture. Like I think when you read it, you'll see how like 
all pop fiction, all like epic pop fiction afterwards is directly like related to it. You know, like you can see that you can cool. see the strings that are tied to it. Stephen King, if you're out there listening, big fan. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, let's get back to this list of questions about comics. And you know, I have <laughs> so I wrote a uh, do, do you write on Final Draft? I don't have Final Draft, I have Celtics. I've been using Celtics ever since it came out. I use Celtics, I actually so. It's complicated. So again, because I work in TV, you're sort of like forced to use um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever sh- whatever your show is on. Um, but because of that, I tend to cheat and I use Faden. Um, Faden is like a streamlined, um, like fixed version of Final Draft. It's really good. Oh. Um, and the Open best- source? no so it's it's not but it's also really inexpensive it's like 30 bucks or 60 bucks at most um and it the best part about it is that it outputs perfectly in any format so you can output it as a word doc you can output it as a final draft file i think you can output as a movie magic file um like so it'll output as any of them and i believe it keeps revisions in which is the hard part so what, what happens for us um so in TV, you're, you send your scripts in and then, you know, when you do revisions, the revisions are always on top of the script. So they advance it a layer essentially. So you get your first, you know, your first one of the blues. And so they turn on the blues. Then as you do notes, the pages turn blue that are, you know, revised. So you can actually, yeah. so your, your boss or the, the studio who gave you notes can see what you changed. And then when the next set of notes come through, they become the reds. And so the blues disappear because they're absorbed and then you just see the red notes. But on the document, if you're trying to track like, wait, why is this not the thing that was in the original script? You can then go backwards and you can look, oh, this is blue. This was a blue. So this got changed here because of that. Um, And for the most part, none of the other program, none of the other programs can do do that. that So what happens is that you end up like I, I generate the first, I write the first script and fade in. Um, and then everything after that, you end up sort of using final draft because that's where you can do it without losing your document. Yeah. Um, it's a weird, but like, again, and it's, it's all personal preference. Yeah, um, and on yeah. TV, it's personal preference of not you. It's the personal preference of the person you work for. <laughs> yeah. Um, Who's in charge of the room? They they get to say. And yeah, they decide. They decide what you when, get to use. When I'm running a room, I'll get to say, and then. <laughs> I would say, but if you're using any any of those apps, if you're doing comics, um, Anthony Johnston has on his website somewhere, um, he has templates that he made for virtually every platform. Whoa. Um, that What's are the name again? Uh, Anthony <laughs> Johnston. A N T O N Y and then Johnston J O H N S T O N. Oddly, I was also Ooh. on his podcast this week. I had, a very, I had a very weird podcasting week, it turns out. Um, <laughs> but he did the the software I that I started using because of him uh, is actually something called Scrivener. Um, and okay. that's what I use for. I don't know. I haven't written a com- like I haven't written a comic in a long time, so I don't know if I would still use it. But that's that's a lot of what I did a lot of my comics in. Um, 
what's nice about Scrivener is that it's a series of corkboards. So it's oh, set up. Cool. So the idea is that you you're looking at note cards. Yeah, you're looking at note cards, and then each note card can either be a folder with more note cards or documents. Like Trello does. Do you mm -hmm. are you into Trello? I know Trello. I think Scrivener was first. I think okay. I think Scrivener is sort of where they did it first. And Scrivener yeah. is so 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 writer centric. Like cool. the guy who created it was a writer who he was a I think a nonfiction writer or a novelist, and okay. he just couldn't find something that worked. So because of that, he's like, I'll make it. <laughs> yeah. So because of that, it outputs like perfect files. So you can output if you're writing a manuscript. There's specific formats for if you're writing a a novel and you're submitting it to a publisher, it has that built in. So you just say like manuscript and it, and it farts like out a manuscript that. document with all the right markings, with all the right, you know, editorial marks, all that stuff just comes straight out. I'm um, surprised in Celtic that there's not a book um, version. I was like, wait, so there's stage play, there's movie, there's <laughs> because it's just totally different. Book, but there's no novel, like no... <laughs> It's just a totally different format. Like it's it works so differently structurally. Almost on feels the page. like the Linux, the Linux of the all of yeah. the. Uh, which yeah. Which cool. I mean, it, it works. It's functional. But it's Scrivener's great. Like Scrivener is I is one of those things that my wife uh, my wife wrote writes comics and is a nonfiction and is a nonfiction writer and she I think I I bought it for her like on her like on. One of our one of her anniversaries or her birthday um and like she has used it for 15 years now and like she writes long she writes she writes long like really well sourced books and it manages her end notes and all that stuff and like it right. she she swears by it like she loves it cool that's awesome um so i mean yeah i, I this this pilot i wrote which i was like this is I, I wrote it while I and like this is up the general premise is up on Twitter so I'm not spoiling anything but basically when I started living in the back of my car different car different year I um I was like well this sucks and like people are still really bad drivers and I'm gonna write something and like <laughs> I was like okay a street uh street vigilante who gets justice on bad drivers who also has the plans to end all homelessness in the world and is being chased by the government because of it. And um, so I was like, all right, I've got my fucking show. And I started writing it. I'm like, ooh, ooh, that's going to look cool. That's going to be cool. And like the barrier to entry for writing for TV, especially getting one's own show, must be like just one in a, one in a trillion, one in a billion. Like there's, there's less professional... There's less professional television writers working than there are uh, players of the NBA. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Very tiny pool. And it's, <laughs> and and so... it's, it's I think it's less, <laughs> I don't know if it's less than the comics. I'm trying to think. It's certainly like I can get to virtually anybody in TV through, through like at most two degrees of separation. Wow. So like wow. I can get to, like if I'm up for a job, I can almost always get to whoever that person is through somebody. Someone else can be like, "Yo, I tell tell them I'm cool." Yeah. <laughs> no, like, and that's but that it like that's kind of how you get jobs. Yeah, like, that's and it, 
that's that's the thing it's it's you know when people talk about the needs for diversity and that is actually where the diversity stuff all kind of short circuits yeah. is that those relationships are what gets you jobs and so having all the programs is fantastic and they should exist they absolutely should exist mm -hmm. the thing that needs to be combated is that like there's white guys in charge and their friends are white guys and they hire their white guy friends yeah. to be on their shows yeah. and it's yeah. and it's hard not to do because like you work with a bunch of white guys and all the white guys you work with are the guys you've worked with and so therefore you know how good they are so you're gonna hire yeah. the white guys that you worked with <laughs> and it's it's but you know look like it's 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 just sort of like it's, it's i it's get also it changing at the same time yeah it's, like, no it's it is it's, it's changing and like there's enough of us like who are more ex who are like more excited about changing it than scared about the consequence of it for yeah. white guys because the fact is is yeah. like we're fine like there's so many jobs <laughs> yeah. for white dudes like, uh and we'll if there's fine. not a, and like it, no like look, don't and if, worry about like and if there's <laughs> if there's not like i don't look i have friends i have friends who haven't worked them in a while so it's not i'm you know i'm I'm not saying that it's not hard to get a job, but the fact is it's really hard to get a job, period. You know, like it's just really hard and you have to be the right person yeah. at the yeah. right place at the right time. Selling pilots um, right now is extremely hard because you're not living in an idea age. You know, like you're living yeah. in a, in a brand. A you're living in a brand age. age. So like they want... Brand. And and like that's the thing is like yeah. when you look at like look at the original stuff that's come out, um, like the like the stuff I'm like the thing I'm thinking of is like a show like um, Blood Drive. Did you see that one? No. On Sci-Fi, one season. Oh, that was years ago. That was years ago, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But that was, was technically like... that was Tim Miniar or someone, right? Like that was the showrunner was like was a brand. I don't know. That's what I was going to say is like the, the the thing is, is like the other way to do it is when you're the brand. So, for example, <laughs> like American Gods is based on a really successful book, but yeah. it's also written by Neil Gaiman, who's a brand. Oh, um, so Blood Drive was a property already? It was a. No, I'm saying I'm saying the guy who ran it was right. Like oh. Tim Miniar was the guy who co-created Firefly. Oh, OK. Yeah, with yeah, Joss yeah. Whedon. So, like, you know, he's a big name or. um god what was the other thing oh, i had another one in my head that was and i just totally flew out of like another oh devs that show on fx oh yeah but that's alex garland who made yeah. annihilation and he made um the, the one before Annihil ex machina so, so like basically like companies are going like seeking out like who are people who have already made something that's pretty cool well yeah, and you it's, can make some more stuff that's pretty cool and weird and out there well and shows cost like so much to get made. so much to get made like your, oh. you know budgets just keep skyrocketing and yeah. like you know like so what the, the idea you're talking about is still like <laughs> eight eight million there's a low budget version i guess there's like a four yeah. million five million dollar version of it but oh, i'll shoot it on my phone i'll i'll edit it all myself and i'll uh but that's <laughs> i mean but look but that's the thing that's how you make stuff and that's the difference yeah. between now and then is like I made a feature. I shot a feature when I was in college that I wrote and directed and starred in and produced and scored and like I did everything because yeah. we couldn't afford we couldn't afford <laughs> somebody to do all those jobs. So I had to do them. 
and you know like i had a crew and stuff but like i did as much of it as i could and all the expensive jobs mm -hmm. i did because we couldn't afford to have somebody yeah. um you know so like having all that stuff um become you know essentially cost neutral where yeah. like at least at least your camera department is you know you holding your phone <laughs> right and your yeah. your film stock is you know how big your phone is and how fast yep. you can upload it to your hard drive yep. like that makes it so much easier yeah. um and it's that still work it's still work and it's still hard um but so much of like how we get where we get is based on you know showing who you are um yeah. and even I, like like i you know the like extremely short version of how i broke into tv is we really? sold the we sold the tv rights to bunker um right. i got i essentially because there was so much interest in it i strong armed my way into writing the pilot i wrote the pilot the pilot was really good people liked it mm -hmm. there was a so because people liked it the tv department at my agency actually paid attention to me they realized I'd written a really yeah. good spec, like a spec pilot that they liked. The spec pilot I wrote was a medical pilot because I really like medical shows. I love St. Elsewhere's, <laughs> my favorite TV show of all time. Um, so I got mm -hmm. sent into a meeting to meet on Chicago Med. At the time, yeah. Chicago Med, they, they got a green light really late. So there weren't a lot of writers around, almost none who had medical samples. So I had a medical sample when I walked in. Secondly, uh, one of the main characters on the show was Oliver Platt who plays a psychiatrist um yeah. my dad is a psychiatrist <laughs> so i went in and talked about my rumpled my my like grumpy and rumpled father who was a psychiatrist oh. and it was like well oh done there we go that guy's gonna fill that like <laughs> guy fills that hole so literally Beautiful. like it could not have been more the right person oh. at the right time like you know the right person at the right oh, time wow. and like <laughs> like had that not happened i don't know what I, I don't know what i'd be doing right now you know like it's but that is literally why and it's insane like it's such an insane was it an, um was the spec you wrote an original or was yeah. it like a, to an existing show okay i do an original the people right now it's not the only reason to do specs of existing shows is if you're doing the writing competitions the fellowships and that stuff oh. but those things are also yeah. they're totally legitimate ways to to get in um yeah they're very hard. They accept like each one accepts like 10 to 15 people a year. Um, yeah. And they're hard. They're super hard to get into. Um, Cause when, like uh, something like five to 10,000 apply, I think to the Warner brothers one and they take, you know, wow. 10 and you know, and it's, it's so 1%. It's a range. It's a range from the worst. <laughs> it's a range from the worst writers in the world to the best writers in the world. But you know, it's yeah. a range and you still need to be yeah. in the top one or 2% but the writers who come out down. of it are amazing like they're i have multiple friends who've gone through it and they're all crazy talented and crazy successful because of it so um the only times i've ever written specs of shows that exist was while i was watching the show i got like so fired up for what the possibility of the next episode would be that i'm like oh i'm fucking writing this i don't even care what's coming next i want to write I, and so, like, uh, being human on sci-fi. Did you watch mm -hmm. that one? Mm -hmm. um, season three ended, and I was like, "Oh fuck! I've got season four, episode one in my head right now." And so 
so I started writing it and maybe like a couple days and I was like okay cool what what do I do with this <laughs> now <laughs> and then preacher did you watch mm-hmm. that one mm-hmm. I watched like the few episodes of the first season i read the book I'm okay good. so you you know <laughs> you might you might uh you might be like right after i started writing the next episode because it was like four episodes in and i saw like i saw just all this story just filling out in my head and i'm like well that could be the next episode i guess i guess i'll start I'll start writing I mean, this here here's the advice <laughs> which is some of the best advice I ever gotten is that when you watch episodes, every episode of a TV show, no matter how serialized, no matter how like uh, weird the show is like mm-hmm. Legion does it every show yeah. um, has a pattern. Yeah. There's a pattern to how the scenes are structured. There's a pattern to what the scenes are. Mm-hmm. And it's never, it's not all as obvious as a law and order show. Like law and order is like, every episode is exactly the same just <laughs> just change what the case is but like yeah. it's structured identically but when you look at shows you'll actually see that there's a pattern yeah. and so writing it is cool outlining it is better if you actually Ooh. outline it by taking like this is this scene is this this scene is this and actually kind of breaking it down yeah. into like into scenes and then into acts beyond that yeah what you can then do with that is you can then transpose it Right. So you take that and it gives you the ability to do two things. One is if you are specking that show, you now have an outline just minus story. Mm -hmm. Right. You know exactly what those turns are. Or you can do the other thing, which is you create your own show and you have a template of a thing that works. So my medical pilot is the shield. And like everybody from around when I broke in, everybody from like a decade ago now, we all use the shield because the shield is perfect. Like the pilot is amazing. And it's, it's genuinely like my pilot is the shield. The crime in mine is not murdering a cop, but there's a crime in mine at the, at the end of it. There's a crime at the beginning. There's a crime at the end. You know, yeah. it's not really like they're solving. There's a case in the middle that they're solving. There's a new guy in town. Like all that stuff is happening, but it's a medical show. Yeah. And so because Sean Ryan is like, such a structure master mm-hmm. that just following the structure of that show, like I was 75% done. And then the rest of it is writing characters, which is, I think the thing that I'm good at. Yeah. Right? It's like, that's the thing that I know I can do like learning, especially then like learning how to plot for this medium is the hard part. Yeah. And you know, it, it helps immensely to do it. Because then you can see like what you'll learn really quickly is like what parts of ideas work and what doesn't work because things will fit or they won't fit. And when things don't fit, then you realize like, oh, this isn't, that isn't this idea. Like that isn't the show that I'm trying to make. Yeah. Um, The way, the way I've written pilots in the past, just originals where I'm like, this is a very fun idea. I want to write this and this, and like, uh, one of them was like this dream and it was a, it was crazy and like very sci-fi but at the same time i was like why am i remembering it in such great detail and why am i so okay with it never ever existing as a show but as long as i get it on the page that's the most important thing and like so um just things uh, and so i usually just kind of just start and i i've heard i know outlining is good and I know there's merit to it. 
and I haven't, I don't know that I've uh, locked into it yet, but general structure, when I go into uh, a pilot, I'm like, all right, I know where it's starting. And sometimes I'm just like, type, type, type. But then sometimes I'm like, all right, this is where it'll end. And this is where the next episode is going to have to pick up because it, it's very important to have structure in a the, show. Otherwise, the, the next like, here's the thing. So you you every show. I'm trying to think of any examples There's like every show, every TV show in the world now uh, does yeah. outlines. They do a board. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes you do the board alone. Sometimes you do the board with the room. Sometimes you do the board with the showrunner. Sometimes you do with half the journey, room. Story yeah. circle. You do all that stuff. Um, the primary, the primary key to that board is the act. So what I do and I, cause look, I'm also, again, like I don't like when I'm writing for me, I kind of can hold it in my head. So I don't need it as much. Mm -hmm. Um, but what I do is I break, I do the act breaks. I know that even though the shows don't have act breaks anymore right even if it's a cable show or a, a, yeah. a premium show or a streaming show that doesn't have act breaks yeah. there's still act breaks right because everything yeah. is structured in a way where there's, abs and, and abs, like, there's abs and yeah. flows right uh-huh. Uh-huh. knowing what the bottom of an act is tells you what the top of an act is right and what yeah. that does is it gives you a skeleton and again it shows you where you're missing stuff and like that's that's what outlining really is yeah and it is like it's TV is such a like complex medium that you you need it more and so much of so much of TV is about kind of giving into the process because the process works and it's really hard to do into the process beautifully because it's like well we have this map set up and we've gone this route so many times and it works this way like it's proven it's a proven method and so like when you get those methods you're like yeah well why wouldn't we keep using that it's like and look and everybody breaks different i've worked for people who like i've worked for showrunners who have no interest in you know who essentially like you do a board because it's your job not because that's the story you're gonna make you know yeah. so like i've and i've worked for people who if the board isn't correct they you can't move forward no matter how like close it is until every card is word perfect you know and i like i worked for i've worked for people who have to rewrite every single word even though it's identical like you you everyone has their own weird ways of working <laughs> you know but within all that there's always there's always the outline and always the first thing yeah. like the first words you get when you get to your episode on a staff is throw up your act breaks Ooh. i will you say know? um when uh, me, me and my two friends wrote this zombie pilot and it was before Walking Dead had broken the airwaves. It were, there were no zombie shows out yet. Right. And we started writing it and like we took oh, maybe a year and a half to write it. And like it was our first attempt at like, I don't know, something creative that could possibly end up on TV, maybe not. And like I registered it with the Writers Guild and I was like, this is official now. <laughs> um, but it, uh, we outlined the hell out of that show. And like, because we did, it was so like, ever, like going back and rereading it and being like, I think I might need to rewrite this 
to try and submit it another day somewhere. And then I'm just rereading it and I'm like, no, that's funny. No, that's good. Yeah, we keep, yeah, we're keeping that in. Oh shit, we did that too. Oh fuck, I forgot about that. And like, <laughs> yeah, mostly yeah. it's like just like the collaboration and, but um, the fact that we structured it out so detailed, we were like, okay, we've got the arcs for seasons one through five, and then if it gets picked up for a season six we could completely change the timeline and jump 10 years and then start with these other people who are surviving this zombie apocalypse world. And we just were writing it the way that we always talk and just hung out and like, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, it's, it's the thing is, is it's all like, cause I do the same thing. Like I get obsessed with the fun, <laughs> with the fun side. Um, yeah. Cause that is the fun stuff. Like thinking about like, I have, a show that we're pitching right now that like you know you and i got paid to put together this is what the bible is and whenever i talk about the idea i'm like so yes this is what the show is it's this and this but like oh my god year three is gonna be this and everyone's like why are you talking about year three <laughs> let's deal with this one let's sell the pilot let's sell the pilot first because structure because and it's cleaning. like no that's but and that's the thing is like you need like it's about bringing that level of excitement to the actual pilot because that is at the end of the day even when you pitch, if you're out pitching a show, you know, if the pitch is an hour long, 45 minutes of it are the pilot and 15 <laughs> minutes of it are everything else, maybe 35, yeah. to 25, you know, and of yeah. the 25, yeah, 15 of those are season one. And then the rest <laughs> is like, yeah, and season two is kind of this and season three is kind of this and <laughs> seasons four through six are like this. Like, this is how the show is repeatable. You know, when we're bored, yeah. when we get bored with that, the show becomes this. <laughs> I love too that like there's um there's definite merit in like building up these imaginary worlds where you're like not only would it be cool as a TV show but cool for like five six seven years like let's see what the hell it goes company like let's uh <laughs> yeah let's make this thing when you know um, it's it's when I wrote the, having having like big it's funny because it is it's about having like being a professional writer is this weird combination of um, like ego versus uh, versus humility, you know, and it's it's uh, yeah. you have to like absolutely believe that you are correct and that you know what you're doing while simultaneously being able to listen to people telling you why you are not correct and don't know what you're doing. And like, oh, you have to know, because yeah. you push back, you have to know when to push back, you have to, you have to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. It's Kenny, uh, as Kenny Rogers once said. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like, it's a very strange, it's a very strange position to be in. And I think it's why, you know, when you hear about showrunners that are showrunners or directors or screenwriters or actors who are crazy, like, that's what it's from is that it's a thing of like, I have to believe I'm right because if I spend even a second decade doubting myself, I literally cannot do the job. Yeah, it's, it's a, you gotta get, I bet there's gotta be a very complex, I know exactly what I want and I'm open to compromise. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, that like, comes uh, from that. It comes from listening. Like, it sounds silly to say it, but like, it really is just like yeah. hearing notes and then solving it and being fast about it. Or 
just saying thank you for telling me that <laughs> just I thank you for telling me that that really that really yeah. works it works so much it's very strange 100%. oh thank you so much for telling me that oh that's a great point <laughs> yeah that's a great point <laughs> Thank you for telling me that. <laughs> but it's important, like it's uh, if the if the call drops. Oh, I was just gonna say real quick. If the call drops, only it's because my battery is slowly draining. But we're gonna just keep going, and then um, I guess it'll just. It's at eight percent. Ah, it'll last forever. <laughs> it's seconds. It's mere seconds. <laughs> it will. It will. No, 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 it's a little bit, a little bit better on the low end on the back on the battery, but um, uh, oh, real quick, oh, so the whole getting on the topic of writing that pilot when I was uh, sleeping in the back of my car, I'm like street vigilante, street justice, and then I was like, well, a lot of things are based off of things that already exist. And then I go, what if I made this into a comic book first, which could be so fucking cool and no holds barred and like just go all out. And then people would be like, why isn't this a TV show? And I'll be like, ah, perfect. I've got a, <laughs> I've got a pilot ready to go. Like, but, here's, um... the, the, here's the thing about it. <laughs> it's so much work to make a comic. <laughs> like that's that's the truth of it like it it is a ton of work and so because of that it's like it's it's you have to really want it to be a comic um you know i get like i get a constant when i was at i was at william morris uh before we're the we're on (laughs) the writers have fired all of our agents uh because of a contract dispute and we've solved it with everybody except for william morris so when i was at william morris um I would very frequently get put on the phone with like movie stars or producers or writers who wanted to make comic books so that they could sell them as movies. And I told every single one of them the same thing, which is you're essentially going to spend, you know, 40 to $60,000 to make a thing. That thing should be the thing you want to make. You know, like if you're going to spend that money, (laughs) make it a thing you want to do because there's just as much, there's just as many, if not considerably more um, comics that are not made into TV shows as there are comics that are TV shows, you know, like it's, it's still rarefied air to actually get something, not just option, but actually made because options are a couple grand. Made, yep. You know what I mean? Like a couple grand is meaningless. Getting something sold. That's a lot of money. And even that, honestly, it's not actually a lot of money. Like getting something sold to TV is like, you know, 50 to like maybe if it's like high profile, it's a couple hundred thousand dollars. But like for the most part, it's not a ton of money. Um, you and know, so even like, then there's a chance it doesn't even go on the air at all. Yeah. When you when you yeah. sell something, you're like, yes, we're doing it. Awesome. We got and, it together. I was ready. We got people on board. And like, and it's not it's it's I don't think I'm being shitty to say it, but you're also splitting your rights with the person who's drawing it, unless you're paying them a yeah. like unless you're oh. unless you're either immoral or paying them a really really good rate, you know like you're splitting rights with the people who are working for you. Yeah, like it's it's you know so like and I don't I in no way resent having to pay my guys who I have copyright sharing with like I should. You know, like they all took they all took rate either rate hits or they did it rate free. 
and like they deserve it they worked harder than i did at the time you know like on that part of it um but at the same time it's also there's there's that feeling of like i have been grinding to sell this thing for like years and <laughs> yeah and i did the check i got i get like none of and it's it's a it's weird it's a very weird uh, dissonance where you i again like i get it and i totally am fine paying like, it huh but well, it's like yeah it's still love to make it <laughs> just write a novel I own that all that's all mine I write a novel get some jingles or some theme songs going listen I'm surrounded by keyboards for um, a reason <laughs> same here um so let's see what um what is something in the creative field that you like would love to do that you haven't done yet and it doesn't have to be one thing um i mean i love i've directed but i haven't directed quote unquote professionally so like i'd love i want to direct um badly like i love i want to i want to direct badly like it with it with very little skill is what i mean just poorly. um just really crap action or whatever yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea no i i love i love directing i love getting to do that stuff so doing that you know would be fantastic um i love like again i'm not kidding like i'm literally surrounded by synthesizers like i would love to score properly like actually get to do a full score for something you know in theory something that i make um yeah like being able to do that stuff is is you know some of it um no, and there's also like just the like the ability to just make what you want is such a yeah. rare thing. Like people, I know sounds funny, but like I know multiple people who have won Oscars, and like they have to grind just as hard as I do, you know. And it's uh. it's that's just sort of the reality is that like you're always <laughs> grinding, like you're never not grinding. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the the pandemic has been a magnifying glass on that, where it's like. <laughs> Because everyone's just kind of had to have sort of a standstill as far as paying attention to like the entertainment industry as much. And so people who are usually working and always working aren't working right now. And they're like, well, what do I, what do I do now? And no, like, like oh, I, I totally looked yeah. out. I was, I got on a show a few months into the pandemic that is like a super VFX heavy show. And so yeah. like they have to do VFX before we can shoot. So that means like I worked from March, I think, or April or somewhere in there until last week. Like I had a really nice. great, had a really great, really fun job. Um, and so it's weird because like this has been the worst of times, but at the same time, I'm like, but I have a really great job. <laughs> this is weird. It's very confusing. <laughs> like the world is ending. You're and conflicted. My poor, my, <laughs> I have to explain to my 10 year old daughter how people are terrible and why there's an insurgency and like how suddenly there's there's terrorists everywhere like but my job you know, have you seen <laughs> but honey but honey look at the toys look at all the toys from the thing we're working on oh, great very oh. strange yeah what um what's what's your favorite part about make uh, like the creative process making something uh, it's pretty. It's actually production. Like I like actually making stuff. Um, yeah. I I've always because I have like a theater background. Um, I like I don't. I have a hard time understanding the the 
the main idea and it's a thing that i don't know if people have ever say it but that the idea is that a script is a blueprint right a script is either a Ooh. blueprint or it's a sample right like you're not you're not actually expecting to make it necessarily I write everything I write is like, no, no, this is to be made. And here's who I would cast. And here's who I would direct. Here's how I would direct it. Here's where I want it to air. Like, I just, I, but that's I good to like put that. in like that kind of stuff. When you put that in there, I hear, uh, from the grapevine of just people who've made stuff where it's like, okay, well then we'll put someone who kind of resembles that person or we'll try and actually get that person. And like, if, uh, if your project gets to a point where it has enough, um noise behind it then yeah you can't who knows who can get behind it yeah no it can't it's a you know it's like a weird yeah it's a weird it's a very weird business and like you said like right now the business is super odd nothing yeah. is nothing works the way it's supposed to and you know animation is up voiceover is up um i think there's been a surge in like kind of puppet shows involving puppets mm -hmm. and that i don't i don't think that was a um sort of like we're we're friends we're, we are pandemic, friends but it like kind of we're friends of the bob baker marionettes uh which sounds weird because it sounds like i'm friends with the marionettes my wife uh my wife's a no, awesome. historical uh she runs the photo archive at the uh public library um and she helped sort of save oh. a bunch of the the of bob baker's papers from the uh when he after he passed um and so we have like yeah. a relationship with those guys and they've like First of all, they're a fantastic charity. Um, so if you, you know, for your uh, listeners, they should give money to them. Bob Baker Marionette Theater. Um, I think it's BBMT on right. Instagram. They're amazing. Um, he did a lot of the marionette work at the in Disneyland on Main cool. Street. Um, but like they've had to do crazy, yeah. like the stuff they do is crazy great. But it's been very much a like they had to figure out how to do it. They did a they did a Patreon that like at a certain level um you got they have a truck oh, nice. and they come they come and do a puppet show in your driveway and so we did that and it was amazing that is incredible that's pretty great like the back <laughs> of the truck opens and it's a back of the truck oh. opens and it's a little puppet theater and it's just rad like they're so cool oh, it's very because they so use the like cool. a lot of the music is the music from you know like from the 50s so it's you know it has that like and it, they use like the record the record patina is on it still so it has that like in, uh, it, it's amazing it's so cool yeah look we're all we're all finding did our you way, um you know? enjoy <laughs> yeah did you enjoy the dark crystal netflix version i didn't watch it i haven't seen it yet. my kid is my kid is terrified Ooh. of it like she we tried to show her the the it's original scary like I don't know. We didn't even get to the scary part. She just finds them like terrifying. And she's like, she loves Jaws. Like Jaws and Citizen Kane are her two favorite movies. And she was like, uh-uh, I'm not watching this thing. I'm out of here. She just wandered out. So it's like, oh, I'm not going to make it's her like, a prequel. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the prequel, or it's actually, the series is the prequel. So the movie, um, the movie is important to watch first because right. then you're like, then you have context for everything that's going on in the prequel, but also you get all the backstory of all the Skeksis and all the, right. oh man, 
it's it looks great it looks really beautifully good. done like it's i mean like the funny part about having, and... the funny part about having a kid is like you end up like i'm a huge horror nerd um but i watch horror at two in the morning because my wife is also ever since we had a kid my wife can't watch horror movies because it freaks her out too much and so like everyone goes to sleep and then from like one till four in the morning i go out to my office and watch horror movies and like that is my time to watch yeah. horror movies and like so i have to so i very like i have to limit what i watch and when i watch it to make it work with having a family yeah. um which let me tell you i really i i don't sleep anyways but i feel like if i could just watch a horror movie during the day at some point it would really take some of that <laughs> onus off me have you seen the final girls i haven't it's i have like it it's on my shelf uh, it's so good yeah so, so, so great. Good. That, that was one of the uh recent horror movies that like grabbed me and i was like oh it's like a love letter to all the slasher flicks and it's like I mean, you know the premise, right? Where they're yeah. like kind of in the movie and you're like, oh, huh? Wait, how do they? Okay. All right. Yeah. Bring me along to this journey. Let's, let's see. We'll see what happens. Super good. Yeah. I had a thing I tried um, to Cabin do. in the Woods. Cabin in the Woods is great. Um, mm -hmm. I really liked, it just came out, it's coming out on DVD or Blu-ray and it just came out for streaming. I really like, um, oh God, I can't remember what it's called. Oh, Synchronic. It. I believe it's called It. <laughs> it of oh, course it. oh it. synchronic yeah synchronic is great oh and possessor is great those are like the two new things that are Ooh. recent uh are those are, are you on shutter or something like all the, getting all the new horror as no they're out? both possessor came out a couple months ago it's david cronenberg's son brandon cronenberg made it and it oh. is like the darkest grossest thing like it's it's even grosser than cronenberg it is it, than david cronenberg it is grossest but it is Ooh. really good um and then synchronic <laughs> um is the guys who did uh the endless and they did spring and um oh god what's the other one called i can't remember i can't remember what the other one's called um benson and moorhead are the directors writer directors and they do these like if you like the bunker you'll like them it's they very much do like the stuff Ooh. that i do where it's where it's uh i call it lo-fi sci-fi so it's like yeah. it's sci-fi but like there's there's no machines there's no spaceships yeah. like there's one such a way yeah Ugh. like it's just slightly science fiction but that slight is enough to freak you out um it's synchronic so is that synchronic is that there's a drug that when you that allows you to um uh like resonate through time essentially yeah, S Y N C H R O N I C. It's great. It's really cool. It's cool. weird and trippy. And um, uh, the Falcon is in it. Falcon is in it. And um, uh, the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh, Anthony Mackie. And whatever. And the guy from Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever that guy's name is. <laughs> Very handsome. Christian Jamie, Gray. I think that's Jamie, his... Jamie Dornan. <laughs> that's his name, Jamie Dornan. Dornan, Dornan, Dornan. Right. yeah, yeah. I got it. I found it. <laughs> oh man, horror! I, I, man, I gotta get more well versed on horror. Like, there's, there's some that I've definitely seen, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Night of the Living Dead, check. Day of the Dead, check. Return of the Living Dead, check. Like, but have you seen? Um, but if you've seen the original Dawn of the Dead, yes. Dawn of the Dead, yes. The one where they that, go into the mall and it's that, that is the mall. That is my mall. Wait. 
That is what? the mall. That is my mall in my hometown. That's awesome. I worked, I worked in that mall. <laughs> and so when you mall. saw the movie, you were like, "What?" Yeah. No, it was like no, because it was a thing. Like when I was a kid, it was always a thing. They had a, they would have a uh, like Night of the Living Dead convention, and there used to be a convention center across the street, and so there would be yeah. a tour. They would always do like a tour of locations. Um, and then like the back hall, I, I worked at the mall. So like you get into the back hallways and like, there was still, there's the thing where they shoot the, the, um, the Hare Krishna, they shoot him in yeah. the head and it blows up on the wall. Like that was still on the wall. Like the exploding oh. brains were still on the wall. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, the, what's it called? The, the die. That's so awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I almost killed Tom Savini with my car once. Like, you know, it's cool. What? I, he was he was you know walking and i wasn't paying attention i almost ran over and he pounded on my car and when he did it i was like oh fuck right Tom Savini. Said, please hit me yeah. do it again do it again let me take a picture bring a sandwich board that said the end is nigh please hit me that's like my i don't i never i like met george romero at like event like at conventions and stuff but it's like my like he's essentially the reason that I knew I could get out of Pittsburgh because I didn't think like everybody yeah. else was like, there's no way to get out of here. This is just what you do. Like my guidance he was counselor. From Pittsburgh, my, originally? Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> guidance counselor. When I told him I wanted to go to school elsewhere, my guidance counselor just started laughing. It's <laughs> like, sweet. Why would you want to go to school? Not in oh. Pennsylvania. It's great here. <laughs> it's not, it's not great here. Dude, but when I was going to high school in Kentucky, I had like the greatest desire to leave. And um, simply because I wanted to be where everything was that I wanted to do, like I wanted to be close to it. So be uh, on TV shows, do stand up, like writing and like just all of it, music. And um, people would be like, huh? You're gonna, you're gonna leave? Why, why? You think you have a chance? You think you have? It? <laughs> I'm yeah. just like, oh boy, I <laughs> yeah can't give in to any weird... of that. I'm just gonna yeah, bet on myself thing. and jump and like see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Look, I mean, I you have just as much cool chance of being miserable <laughs> or happy anywhere. That's that's really the thing. Is it's like, look, there's no yeah. like, there's no difference. You can yeah. be anything. You can be anything. And like, if the only difference is if I'm in a place where people actually do what I do, I have a better chance of that happening. Like, it's yeah. I have a better chance of the positive. So why wouldn't I want to leave and go somewhere else? Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> well, uh, I I had a question that I didn't write down, but I remembered yeah. from when I was about to write them down. Do you have any comics that like you started? And you started strong and you were like, eh, it's not ready. And like just are shelved for like a future day. You have like yeah. a oh, few yeah. of those maybe. Yeah, yeah. No, I have, I have stuff that like, <laughs> I have a pilot. I have a pilot specifically that's like, it is the, it drives me insane. It's like the best concept. I've written it. It's done. It done. It is yeah. done. Um, <laughs> and like, I can't like I just nobody else sees it like I'm the one who sees it as like no this thing's awesome what's wrong with you people and like anytime anybody reads it they're like well here's what's wrong and they like list what's wrong and I'm like you're all wrong it's fantastic you're wrong and I usually don't do like I'm usually hard enough on myself that I don't feel like that but it's literally a thing that like every six months I'm like all right let's crack it and I go back to work on it and I do a new draft of it and I change stuff and I move things around and it doesn't like 
and then it sort of just never gets where it needs to get but every you know i get theoretically i get better every six months you know like i'm a better writer and so in theory it'll be you know much better by the end like i i might be when i'm in my 60s but you know i get there eventually i bet it'll you, stop being a good idea pretty soon i, I bet you like i <laughs> i bet you though like one of those drafts or even the draft that you're currently on is like so fucking good and like the way that you're talking about it i could tell that i think is. i and think the irony is i think the like first draft ability I think if I went all the way back to like the very first one, I think that might hey, actually be the good one. You still have and then it. I just got bad notes. Right? And I've been going, I do have it somewhere. It's a good point. <laughs> start sending that out. Yeah, I should just start yeah. sending them out in cycle. I'll just start over and just start sending them out. Hey, look, yeah. I revised it. What do you think of this? And it's and just see if anyone notices. <laughs> you put revision marks on. You just put Thank little stars on everything. Me. Here's the new one. And it's yeah. the first one. <laughs> you gave me some great notes. I really took them to heart. Um, no, it, it happens all the time. It's it's part of like what I've what I've found and believe, and it's also part of the job, right? Is like there's a certain time and place to write everything. You need to be emotionally yeah. and psychologically and physically in the right place to do it. Um, yeah. And those stories change. Like the this isn't something that's left unfinished, but uh, Elks Run, my first book. Um, yeah. The premise, the premise of it, right, <laughs> is it's about you know a uh, bunch of kids live in a small town. They find out, uh, they find out their parents are essentially militiamen, um, who've you know been slowly, you know, moved there as they were plotting to destroy the U.S. government, and you know everything goes awry when mm -hmm. one of the neighbors gets killed, mm -hmm. and blah 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 blah. And you know, part of the thing, the book is it's written Rashomon style, and so every every character, every chapter is a different character's point of view. And in writing yeah. it, I like really had to struggle to like make the dad, who's sort of the mayor of the town, so to speak, to like make the dad understandable because of what he was doing. I wrote that, I mean, five, ten years almost before I had kids, um, before I had a kid. And now, because we were talking, we were talking to somebody about developing it, about maybe making a show out of it, and. By the way, which did not go thanks to the insurrection, it's going great. Thanks you, thank you. <laughs> not only are they trying to kill America, but they're trying to kill my goddamn TV show too. It's really Fuck. not my year. It's all not our prophetic year. ideas are getting dashed by actual cool. history happening. <laughs> um, but like I, um, in in thinking about it this time and kind of like figuring out what the TV show is, I had that moment, like that epiphany of like, oh, I totally get it. Like I totally understand the like i will do any crazy shit it takes to take care of my kid totally get it like his yeah. his point of view like i belabored his point of view so much because i didn't understand what it actually feels like whereas were i to write the book Ooh. now i wouldn't have to because like if someone hurts my kid yeah. i like i'm the least physical person in the world and this is amazing i went to see mary poppins at afi fest with my kid and okay. friends and their kids and um, this was years ago. So my kid was like five at the time. And so we sit down and Mike is very well behaved, but her friend is not. And her friend was sitting on yeah. the mother's lap. And when she went to climb up, her foot like hit the seat in front of her. And the guy in the seat in front of her turned around and he went, looked at, the, looked at my kid, who by the way, clearly was not the one who did it, but looked at my kid and went, 
if you kick my seat again, I'm going to cut your legs off. And then the movie started. (laughs) It's like, what the fuck was that? And I literally sat there the entire movie just like fuming. And then as soon as, yeah, Yeah. so mad. And then the movie ended and there was a Q and a, so I sat there in the Q and a fuming. And then, um, as it ended, I tapped him on the shoulder and he went, yeah. I went, did I, did my kid kick your seat at all? And he goes, no, no, she was great. I went, yeah. What, what makes you fucking think you get to fucking talk to people like that? You piece of shit. And he's like, "Uh, I was just, and like, my friends like grabbed my daughter and just ran out because they were like, Oh shit. And it was literally like, I'm going to kill you now. Like, this is it. I'm the, I just saw Mary fucking Poppins and I'm going to fucking murder you. And like, it literally like, he's like, I've never seen a grown man run. So, like, cause I was, and like, I'm not, I'm big, like, I'm five ten. I'm not like gigantic or anything. And I'm certainly not particularly like physically imposing. But the tone, but like yeah. I was, I clearly had crazy eyes because he like fucking sprinted out of there. He was terrified, and it's like, oh no, that's like that's it. Like that's exactly the like I will protect my kid at any cost. I totally get it, and that's just because I'm old. Like you're, you become older, and things mean different things now. You know, and yeah. like, and it's it's true yeah. of your own. It's true of the things you like in terms of stuff you consume, but it's also true of of what you create and what you make because you learn and you you learn not just craft wise, but you learn life wise, um, you know, and that's the, the hard part where things rub up against each other is when you work on, yeah. you know, when you work for people, right? Like when you work for people and that's whether you're on a staff of a show or whether you're doing work for hire or when you're doing anything, you know, you have to be able to deliver the creative quality as though you weren't working for them, right? As though these were the thing that you're passionate yeah. about and that you have knowledge of and that you're the right person mm-hmm. to do while simultaneously, um, like having that distance that you automatically get because yeah. it's not necessarily the thing you should be writing. I worked on like a legal, I worked on like a military law show, which I don't know if I could think of anything mm-hmm. like less me and like when I went in for the interview, I was like, I don't understand why you're seeing me. Like this makes no sense. And he was like, Really? That's how you're, that's how you're gonna try and get this job? And I was like, No, I'm just telling you. And he's like, well, You're a good writer, so I want to hire you. You're a good writer. I was like, Yeah, but not this. Like this isn't a thing I write. And he's like, Do you want the job or not? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Um, by the way, the answer should have been not. But um, you know, like, like it, it, it's just a thing that you have to do. Like you have to make yourself be passionate. But with your own work, like you should be passionate about it. Otherwise, you get so little reward because it's so minuscule a chance of it existing or becoming something or being worth something that the only thing you can do is actually care about it and love it and cherish it because that is actually the pleasure that you're guaranteed to get out of it. And anything that's not that is just a, a miserable slog, you know? Perfectly put. And with that sorry for this abrupt turn but if you want if you have things you would love to plug uh, the battery is at one percent right now. uh <laughs> uh there's uh our pod my wife and kid and thank i thank you so much again for of yeah. course uh, my wife kid and i do our podcast which is little miss movies.com i think check that for me because who knows mm-hmm. um you can find me on twitter at josh fialkov <laughs> and instagram at josh fialkov um, and I think that's it. You should listen to our podcast because it's adorable, I think. 
pretty sure. That's awesome. it. Thank you so much and, for having um, me, man. This, this was been, fun. Dude, thank you again for doing it, and you're welcome back anytime. This has been Awesome Talk with Doug Culp and Joshua Hilfialkov. Peace. All right. Later. See you, man.